Welcome to the very first episode of the brand new Under Center podcast, of course, formerly known as the ASI podcast. We have gone for a sort of new year mantra with the new year, new me. So we've gone through a bit of a change, but the core is still the same because I'm joined by two of the Jackson 5 in Fionn Malloy and Jake Wallhead. Also, for the first time ever, hello to our viewers on YouTube who will be uh, watching the podcast for the very first time. So now, not just uh, you will be given the opportunity to listen to us with our uh, hot takes, you'll be able to see them every week now on YouTube uh, at Dynamo's Podcast Network channel on YouTube, as well as, of course, on uh, all good podcasting uh, sites. Uh, and we certainly have a lot to talk about today. Uh, we'll be looking at the six head coach vacancies there is in the NFL. We'll also be uh, ranking them in terms of which one is probably the most appealing if you were to take the job. We'll also be talking about the upcoming playoffs uh, and giving our predictions about who's going to go to the play to the Super Bowl in Tampa in February. Uh, also be giving our end of season awards. And to finish off the show, as always, we'll be giving our predictions for this weekend's wildcard games. But before we get into all of that, I'm going to get, open the floor up to you, lads, because two NFC East fans, you know, one's a Giants fan, one's a Washington fan. So I'm just going to sit back here. I'm going to have my popcorn. I think I have it here somewhere. Uh, and uh, you can tell me about your team's weekend. So let's just start with the victor first. And let's say, uh, Fionn, how are you feeling? Yeah, well, I'll start it off by saying the best team won. Uh, the best team in the NFC East won the NFC East. Definitely the best defense in the game. I know Jake was pretending to argue for his defense last week, but it's kind of hard to stand over that now. They let in 19 points against a useless Cowboy team uh, with Dalton under center, so that's not looking great. And they had a little fumble at the end, which is uh, <laughs> nerve-wracking to say the least, but Thankfully, the Washington football team, who are not famous for their clutch performances, managed to pull one out. A little bit of controversy about the quarterbacks. Quite frankly, I don't give a rats whether he was benched, whether he was pulled, whether it was pre-planned. If you're going to complain, you should have won more games during the regular season, then it wouldn't have affected you at all. As the Eagles' prerogative to do whatever they want. I respect Doug Peterson. He had a backup guy. He's trying to keep him happy. He promised him, or allegedly promised him before the game even started, that he'd get some minutes. I'm happy enough. Hertz didn't play great. He did score two touchdowns, but other than that, I don't think he really did anything. He had 32 yards on the ground, which isn't necessarily prolific. It's not Lamar Jackson numbers. And he was 7 out of 20 in the air for 70 yards, which, again, is not spectacular numbers. Uh, thankfully, Nate Sudfeld was even worse. For us, I believe we got a sack and an interception off him in about 14 minutes of gameplay. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy. Only the second time I've ever seen this Washington team make it to the playoffs. 
So uh, very exciting times for me. And uh, we did it as a victor. So we got a higher seed than we were expecting. So we're the only team in the NFC East picking outside the top 10, I believe, of the, of the draft this year, or maybe top 20. So we're feeling very excited about ourselves. Yeah, I have a lot of issues with the whole football team winning the NFC East. Um, mainly, I have to come onto this podcast and listen to Fionn talk about the Washington football team. The whole benching of Hurts, he wasn't playing great. We can all say that. He's, I, I told Fionn before this show started that we're going to jump off the train. We said this a couple of weeks ago. He's not going to be a great quarterback. He's a gadget guy at heart. That's what's going to be. But who gives you your best chance to win? It's definitely not Sudfeld. I said... I, I wouldn't disagree if they had to put Wentz out there. Wentz is still a good, talented player. He's, he's a whole lot better than Sudfeld is. Um, and this whole report about that it was up on the website, the Eagles website, that they're going to put Sudfeld in in the second half, that was a whole lot of bullshit. Bull, sorry. Um, a whole lot of bull because that was just a report. There was no Peterson said this. It was just expected. It was just a small little wording. There was no anything real behind that, no substance. And three points behind in the fourth quarter, like how, how can you justify taking out your start, starting quarterback now that you've benched Wentz? How can you justify taking him out of the game? Surely, if you took uh, Hurts at the second round, I think it was, of last year's draft, he provides a lot more value to see how he plays in a game like this. Rather than watching Sudfeld, who's been on the team for four years, let's just give him a little shot here. Just see how he, he, he handles it. Now, well, we saw how he played. Seven out of 20 for 70 yards. That's not playing at all. It might as well stick me in a quarterback at that point. Yeah, we'll, we'll know how that goes. That's more interceptions there. We've all seen how Fionn plays his game at quarterback. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, like, if you want to judge the future of your franchise, it's not the guy that hasn't been able to make it on the field in four years. It's the guy that you picked second round at quarterback this year. That's how it's supposed to be. That's how everybody sees it. But no. Peterson wants to get fired. He, we all know he wants to get fired. Whether or not he's able to do it this time, I don't think so. And on the, the Giants win more more games, I wish they had a won more games. The the early game or the one of the Eagles game that we lost was because of an Engram tight end drop. Butter hands, he just slips right through his hands and he loses us the game. If we had a won that Eagles game, none of this would have mattered. We would have been talking about how the Giants strolled into the uh, into the playoffs at seven and nine, and Fionn might have been a bit more salty rather than me. Yeah, well, just to play devil's advocate, just a little bit on this. If this wasn't the Giants, and if it wasn't like one of the biggest teams in the country in terms of media, you wouldn't really think twice about the fact that a team that has nothing to play for is taking out their quarterback and resting their stars for maybe better draft position because obviously they jumped from sixth uh, from ninth ninth to sixth yeah. uh, by losing this game yeah and that's what what do we call that there that's called tanking and there is specific punishments that should be got, gotten or given for tanking intentionally well i think i think as well uh, Darry, you touched on a good point i think jake is being extra salty i'm fairly sure i remember when we were going through our predictions for last week there were two or three teams that were in a win and you're in scenario playing against weakened second string quarterbacks and star players. So I think because it happened for the Washington football team and it was directly affecting the Giants and the Giants were also in a scenario where they could bulk it in, I think that's definitely uh, 
whatever the opposite of rose tinted glasses for Jake this week. But yeah, I don't think there's anything egregious. I'm not really sure why the NFL is kicking up such a huge. Yeah, I don't see how this game. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens played against the weak Bengals team. Granted, their starters injured. Uh, and there was plenty of other teams who played against the Steelers, for instance, against the Browns. They had their second strings out. The Steelers were already in the playoffs. That's the difference. That's exactly. that's well, starting or the, resting the, their starters for that reason. The Eagles were already out of the playoffs. And if you look at it, say, I know it had no bearing on playoff implication, but the Chiefs rested Patrick Mahomes on Sunday against the Chargers. And that Chargers win, I, I think, pushed them up a few I th- places. I in think the that's draft, a, you know? a different situation. That's what I think is because you don't want to put Patrick Mahomes in for a quarter and then him him getting smashed on the ground, breaking the shoulder right before the playoffs. Like that's not what you want to do. So but, w- would you would you have been more angry or ticked off if he said Peterson said during the week, I'm going to be resting Jalen Hurts because it's there's nothing to play for and Nate Sofell would have started from the start? No, well, I'd still kind of be a bit of annoyed, but I, maybe I'd understand a bit more. It feels like he just knew that his best chance to win was hurt, so he took him out. And let's not let's not think about like the, the the football team are running away with it, and you need to get get um your backups in just because there's no coming back from it. You're three points behind. Taking out your starter to come back is clearly not a winning move, and it's just it, it's not good football. It's different when you're in the playoffs and you're trying to um rest your starters, get them an extra week off so then they can go out and play their best football. But resting your, your, your starting quarterback, the start of the fourth quarter, three points behind is a bit ridiculous. Well, okay. having said that, I will concede my opinion that I am looking at it a certain way and it's obviously affecting my judgment, I would say. Well, I have to add, I'm just going to stay here with my smug face on and say, yes, yes. <laughs> One and done. You'll be gone after this weekend. <laughs> Uh, well, look, listen, you're looking at it through giant tinted glasses, we'll say. It's not rose-tinted glasses, it's giant tinted glasses you're looking at it from. And look, at least it's something to to uh, work on for next season. And also, I, I saw Joe Judge sort of gave out a little bit about the ethics or the, of the game and stuff like that. So we'll just see maybe next season if the Giants have a playoff uh, spot wrapped up and if he'll still play the Stars in week 17 next year but look we'll we'll come back to that if it does happen next year and we'll move on to actually our first topic of the day and it is the head coaching jobs that have become available in the NFL. Now we knew coming into this weekend that the Falcons, the Texans and the Lions were all looking for new coaches but the first Monday after the regular season ends is often known as Black Monday where coaches learn their fate and three of them uh, for Treatum, I should say, it was the end of the line with their respective teams. First, while the late series of games were going on on Sunday, we heard uh, that the Adam Gase era in New York had finished. Probably the worst kept secret in all of New York. Uh, on Monday morning, we were informed that Doug Marone would no longer be the coach of the Jaguars. And then in what was possibly the most surprising dismissal of this whole um season Anthony Lynn was given uh, the boot as Chargers head coach uh, and I'll start with you Jake and I want you to uh, tell me uh, what do you make of this uh, these dismissals this week um, and do you think they were warranted? 
Well, I mean, if you're going to start off with Adam Gase, clearly that was warranted. He, he's a man so bad at coaching, you couldn't even get the first overall pick. If you want to talk about tanking, he was who you wanted to tank, and he couldn't even manage to do that. He was gone halfway through this season, and we all knew the right was on the wall for that. Um, I could see for Anthony Lynn, his game management, he's probably better suited to some sort of offensive coordinator or defensive. I'm not sure which side he comes from, but he's a game management. by trade, so I guess offense. Yeah, so yeah. he... he his game management was terrible. You've seen that. His clock management was terrible. His, his play calm was terrible. Maybe he's better off suited to just one job, something that he can handle on his own and really do it well because we know he can coach well. Like We've seen Herbert put up numbers and stuff like this, so it was good. I definitely have. I, I definitely think he, he deserved to be gone and it was just the right another wall for him as well. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you, Jake. I, think, I don't think anyone gets any particular amount of points for calling these... Uh, all three of us named pretty much all three of these coaches as their as our top three to be gone. Uh, you said Lena's maybe a little bit of a surprise, Darren. I I would agree with you in that it wasn't a complete loss of a season. But uh, normally, when these coaches go, there are coaches that have been here two, three years and had a chance to get their offense in place. And owners tend to lose patience quite quickly after that milestone. If you are not shown significant improvements or developing a really good strong core I think Lynn got unfortunate with some with some injuries this year if you watched hard knocks they had that safety uh, King was it go down in uh, in uh, Derwin James Derwin, Derwin, Derwin James. James sorry yes and they also had the running back Eckler go down so they're two huge pieces to go down um, but again not surprised I could, because this isn't this year alone this is compounded over the last few years so uh, personally not very surprised about any of these decisions, like we said, Lynn is maybe the one who had the most case to be kept on, but the other two were just, have been terrible over the course of the seasons, and this season was maybe their worst over the course of the last three seasons, so no surprise at all there. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I would think that, yeah, I think you could make a, a reasonable argument either way for Lynn keeping his job or losing it because he did finish the season with four wins. He looked like maybe he was getting a grasp on the offense and the team. And obviously he had a lot of special teams issues earlier on in the season. He then decided to take over the special teams. So he was head coach and special teams coordinator. So things improved there. So I don't know. I might have liked to have seen it maybe one more season, uh, but I think with the division that he's in and the move, obviously that, this Chiefs are making to obviously build a dynasty there and you have the 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 Broncos who there's a big question mark about and then uh, of course the the Raiders who are kind of tied into John Gruden for another I think seven more years Eight or three, three years, years into it. yeah I think he's three years into his 10-year contract so you know I think I think maybe ownership decided look listen we got to make this move now we have our best chance to sort of maybe getting that second spot and now we're obviously with the extended playoffs getting that maybe seventh seventh um seed so we can get into the wild card so yeah i can understand um looking at some of the front runners though for the head coaching job uh a few names that i, I sort of pointed i sort of took note of and they range from the likes of robert Sala, who was the 49ers defensive coordinator there's rumors around brian schottenheimer who's the seahawks offensive coordinator you've got brian dable with the bills the eric Bieniemy with the chiefs patrick graham of course with the giants uh josh mcdaniels has floated around a little bit not as much 
um, as other names, uh, you've got Joe Brady, who's the Panthers' uh, offensive coordinator, Brandon Staley, the Rams' defensive coordinator, and two other names as well to look out for that I've seen a lot of is uh, Marvin Lewis and Urban Meyer. Now, Urban Meyer's been mostly linked with uh, the Jaguars, and he's looking for about $12 million a year. I don't know if the Jaguars would be willing to, to pay that. But uh, out of those names, do you think that's uh, – could you see any of those go – being suited to a certain team? Um, I'm not so sure about being suited. This is always uh, the dark arts and it's kind of, it's very difficult to gauge where backroom teams are looking at. Uh, I think if you're an offensive coordinator or a defense coordinator, it always seems to be from that pool in general that they get pulled up from. Uh, I think it's going to be difficult if you're an out-of-work coach to try and come back. I would be surprised if Urban Meyer does come back given college coaches especially already do not translate necessarily very well to the NFL level. And so if you're out two, three years to then try and graduate to the NFL level, it's going to be diff- difficult. Um, the one I'm most interested in is Salah from the, the 49ers. When I was watching their game, he seemed to be on screen more often than the head coach was. Uh, I don't know if that's a director's call. I don't know. I've never been to a game, so I don't know if he just a particular amount of jumping and a mode of reactions during the game. But it seemed like every time the defense was coming off, it would cut to him running halfway onto the pitch to give us guys high fives. So uh, the media seems to like that guy. And that can sometimes be a little tell, especially if a, if a club is looking for a, to add a little bit of media spin or get some more positivity going or more attention on the team these smaller markets so he should definitely be a name to keep an eye on and see does he pop up in one of these six vacancies yeah Salah is one of my top two the top two I like is Biennemi and Salah I think they're two brilliant um, coordinators that are up for head coaching I think they're probably the, the, the greatest chance to get a couple of these jobs here but as we can kind of sometimes see in the NFL defensive coordinators don't tend to be great head coaches sometimes it goes well obviously is. Belichick, he's defensive from the start, so it makes sense for him. But they tend not to be great for a while. We've seen with um, Matt Patricia there in the Lions, it wasn't working out for them. But I really look forward to see where um, where uh, the enemy goes because we, we can see the Chiefs. The Chiefs are probably the most creative offensive team that there is. They design so much plays that just they spring receivers open. There's a, all sorts of motion. Everybody loves the motion. It looks looks great when this sort of stuff happens. And then with, say, Urban Meyer, he's kind of already chalked into the, that Jags um, head coaching spot. I think he was spotted off a plane in Jacksonville there about two or three days oh, really? ago. That's okay. what I heard, yeah. Um, now, obviously, it, it's not written down, or we don't know for sure, but if, if the media is pumping in this much, there's a lot of tweets and stuff about this. So what I say is there's, there's no smoke without fire. There's got to be some truth in these kind of rumors here. But... For, just I would be looking for the enemy and Salah. They're, they're my t- main two that I'd look forward to seeing who they get to coach. Yeah, uh, I'd agree with you with Salah. I think he's been sort of primed for a head coaching role since last year. I think the, the media seem to really uh, like him and the work that he's doing with the 49ers. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, the enemy has also been sort of the media darling in terms of should be getting a head coaching job. Um, 
Uh, Patrick Graham's an interesting one because he's sort of come out of nowhere this season, especially with the Giants. He's gotten a lot of plaudits for how the Giants' uh, defense has been set up. So I don't know whether he'd be too keen to move this quickly, maybe Honus Craft a little longer um, with New York. I'm sure New York would love to have him for longer there too as well. And uh, with the likes of, I think, one name that's interesting that does pop up and he, he is interviewing uh, teams, I think he interviewed with the Texans and the Falcons, was, uh, was Marvin Lewis. Uh, obviously, everyone knows about him, his history with the Bengals. So I think what's not state, to, stated enough with, with the Bengals is where they were to where they are now. If you know, when, they, when he left, he, he turned them into a consistently sort of playoff candidate team every year that he was there they they weren't the well the bungles as as, as some people call them so i think that marvin lewis could definitely do a, a decent job sort of you know getting a, a team that's maybe just a little crestfall and maybe getting them back on the way up but we'll see and before we move on from it guys i want to sort of go through your ranking of the head coaching jobs in terms of appeal um, and I'll go first myself with them, and I've ranked them from one to six, and I'll start with maybe the sixth, like so the least appealing job, and that for me would be the Lions. I think um, Matt Stafford looks like he's leaving. They're not in a good position in the draft where they can get a really good QB. So you're looking at free agency, which you can, also, you can um, then end up overpaying for a quarterback and you're not too sure if it's going to work out or not. The only other member of that roster that I actually really like is probably Kenny Galladay. He's had injury issues this year and he's a free agent. So he's going to look for a decent money as well, especially for a wide receiver. So um, I think this is a more longer term job. If you are going to take it, if you want to sort of um, take the Lions job, you're going to need a really patient owner and you're going to really need a patient GM as well. So I don't know if that's going to, to work out. My fifth side is the Falcons. Um, and because of just the decisions and the, the, the lack of wiggle room you have with that roster, it, the, Matt Ryan has three years left on his contract, guaranteed 90 million in those three years. You can't move him on. No one's going to take him. Julio Jones, I know, uh, Jake, you've mentioned this in previous shows, that you would gut the team from top to bottom and get rid of players like that. Like that too, he's on a good contract. Will people be interested in him? The only other name that springs to mind that's really sort of has maybe trade value, maybe to get draft capital to help rebuild the squad, be someone like Grady Jarrett. We don't know how much you're going to get for him. So there's, there's not a lot there on that side that you can... Um, you know, maybe put your own stamp on the team. You're sort of still stuck with the, with those sort of with those players. And there's nothing wrong with the likes of Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Grady Jarrett. They are really, really good players. But you know, if they're not your players, then you know you've got to adapt. And I don't think that's what any head coach wants to do. My next one would be the Jets. Although the roster is trash, they do have a lot of draft capital. So. If you don't draft, and if you don't draft a QB this year, you still have Sam Darnold. I still think there's something there with him. I wouldn't give up on him just yet. Um, you know, they've got the they've got a hit on those picks, or else this job could become a nightmare for whoever takes them. Uh, next on it would be the Texans. You have one of the top QBs there in Deshaun Watson, uh, but you need to give him weapons. You need to give him decent receivers. These like middle of the road sort of, you know, I think. 
talked up more than they actually are in the terms of like Cooks and you know Will Fuller who if he's not getting suspended he's he's injured you know you, you got you haven't got these consistent ones you got rid of obviously your best receiver in in uh, in, in D Hop so uh, on the defensive side you've got JJ Watt and from everything that's been said over the last couple of weeks he looks like he wants out so on anyone else on that defense. I don't, I don't really rate, to be honest, Manel, myself. I, I don't know if you guys feel any different. The, my second one now, and it's between the Jaguars and the Chargers, and my second team in terms of appeal would actually be the Jaguars. I know they have the number one pick, and it looks like Trevor Lawrence is going to be going there, or maybe Justin Fields after what happened at the weekend. You never know. Like Media loves to roll up these stories coming close to, uh, to draft time. You've got some cap space there as well. You've got some good young players. The tax the tax laws in Florida are very favorable as well for players who want to come in. So you could appeal to them that way. The only downside is the owner. So he can came out this week and said he had roster control this season and he plans to keep roster control. So, you know, you're going to have to deal with, with an owner who you know, makes himself up to think he's a GM and think he's the next Jerry Jones, you know. So you'll have to sort of try and keep uh, keep him happy. And obviously, you know, we'll see what happens there. And then my favorite team in terms of appeal is the Chargers. I think the team has a good nucleus. Uh, you already have the franchise QB for the next 10 years in a new stadium. You're in a good city. And not just the franchise QB, there are other players, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, you know, um, Joey Bosa, you got Darren James once he gets fit. So I think you've got a good team there. You get a good coach and you got some good coordinators there with you too. I think this team could really, really be a good team in the future. But uh, Fiona, I'll start with you. Would you make any sort of changes in terms of that tier or would that be yeah. sort of along what you're looking at? Yeah, just a little. I would put the Jaguars much further down based on that can that you mentioned. For me, if I'm a, if I'm a manager or a head coach, sorry, and I want to put my spin on a team, Having that interference is really going to be a problem. Uh, and I kind of maybe swap them. I wouldn't put the Falcons so low. Maybe wouldn't put them where you've put the Jaguars, but I would move them down a little bit. Uh, and actually, I like the Jets. So I'm kind of, in the end, I said, no, I wouldn't change much. And actually, I've changed everything. I do agree with you. Chargers is the golden egg. Everyone's going to want that job. Like you said, already some top players there. You're going to get a unusually high draft pick for the quality of squad that you already have so if you're a good drafter you can definitely use that to your advantage like you said I actually value the Jets in the amount of room that you have to change that roster to what you want and Sam Darnold is a pretty good option so I'd probably put the Jags least then the Falcons then the Lions because I actually think Matt Stafford is a better quarterback than uh, than uh, and he gives you a little bit more wiggle room and now you do have to deal with the, the situation there but the, the ownership has seemed pretty loyal to the coaches that have been there before they stayed probably arguably longer than they should have had based on that, the results they were having so I think that suggests that they're willing to give some time for someone to come in and put a stamp also, the attitude of the Lions, I feel, is like the locker room never really went into too much dissent. There was a little bit, and they moved some guys on very quickly, and I think that calmed it down quite well. So uh, definitely to finish the charges is the one that everyone's going to want. And then I think the second option from there, for me, 
at least I think it's the Jets. Yeah, I think uh, my list is completely upside down to to use. Um, I'll tell you my last. It's probably the most shocking one is the Texans. Man, the Texans are in a bad state. The only thing they have going for them is Deshaun Watson, and if he if he had any smarts, he would be asking for a trade. They don't pick till pick sixty seven. They don't have a left tackle. They have an old running back. They have some injury prone receivers. They've they got an aging tackle, defensive end who was once a stars. Don't they I thought they traded tackle. away the left tackle. No, didn't they trade away their oh, they first for the left tackle for yeah. the left tackle for Jeremy uh, Tunsil? Wasn't That's it? what it was. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. but uh, still, the rest of the line I don't think is strong, and I don't think even no. he has performed that well. If I'm forgetting about him, so the Texans are a bad state. They're just not going to be able to compete. They've wasted four years of Deshaun Watson. They've given him a big contract, um, and now what are they going to do? They're probably going to be middle of the road for the next five years again not getting first pick, not getting last pick. They're not making a Super Bowl anytime soon. I just don't think they have anything going for them. And they're, they have a really bad salary cap issue. They're seven, I think they have 17 million cap space left or something. That's what I wrote down earlier. Um, I just don't think they're going to be able to fix that roster very quickly. Um, and then I have the Lions as my least second least favorite. Um, I think you have a tough choice to make between Matt Stafford and picking a new QB. Um, they pick seventh overall, but as we know, the top two QBs are probably going to be gone by that stage. Um, and then they've got they've just Kenny Galday, who's looking for a big contract this time. So maybe they have to go get get themselves a nice wide receiver in the draft or maybe through free agency. But they, they'll probably end up tagging um, Kenny Galday. But they have some other nice pieces, but I just don't think it's a great, a great position. Excuse me while I flip over my page here of notes that I made. Um, third least favorite would be the Falcons. Um, they have the fourth pick, but as I said before, they need to blow up that team. They need to trade away Matt Ryan and they need to trade away Julio Jones and anyone they can get value off that team. Um, pick a quarterback if you can get one at four, pick the quarterback, then get a little veteran behind them, sit behind them and teach them like we've seen it done a million times. And then you have other picks to pick, and you pick quite high. You can get a lot of stuff there, and you can rebuild the franchise from the bottom up. And then third, I have Jets. Um, I like to say they have a good problem. They have Sam Darnold, or they get to pick Justin Fields, basically. That's a good problem to have. If you pick Darnold, you can trade back from two and get a whole load of picks because somebody's going to give you a boatload of picks for Justin Fields, or as you said, Derek, might be Trevor Lawrence. It's probably going to be Justin Fields that they could get. So that's a good problem to have. They've got some nice pieces there with Mims and Mackay Beckton and Quinn and Williams has come up quite a good bit. So they've got some nice pieces to build around. So it's just drafting, as you said. And Joe Douglas has been proven to be quite good at drafting the past two years. So I'll be looking forward to see how they get on, what they pick. That's probably the most exciting one because you don't know what they're going to do. Um, I have the Chargers as my second favorite but I'm kind of in between the Chargers and, and the Jaguars, but let's just stick it with this way. They've got the rookie TD record holder this year. You can't beat that. You can't come into a job with a better position. We all, we, we all agreed on it. They're probably the best team to come into. They're the most well-equipped. They're probably going to be instant playoff spot for this head coach because of how Herbert has performed and how high-quality their defense is and how high-quality their offensive weapons are. It's going to be hard to beat that as a, as a job opening. And then I have the Jags number one, but Fiona made a very good point, or, or Dara, it was um, Shad Khan with the uh, becoming like his own GM. We know it's not going to work because 
well, maybe he knows football, but he's not a GM. So if he's just going to pick who he wants to pick, it's going to turn out bad for a head coach because he's just going to have to be a yes man, basically. And if that's not going to work out well for them. But let's just say you've got some good pieces. You've got Trevor Lawrence coming in, say, and then you've got um, James Robson, that, that running back who's been performing extremely well. You've got that, the wide receiver, who was a, is a LaVisca Chenault. He's, yeah. he's pretty well this season. So they've got some nice pieces to come, come in um, and contribute. So if you can get Trevor Lawrence and it, it, he's who everybody says he is, then it's going to be a good position if you can get on with Khan. And also I like his mustache, and that's probably what drove me to having them my favorite pick. You know what it is, and I think I thought about this, about why he came out and said he had roster control and why he, well, why he does have roster control. His son has his own wrestling company. Seeing his son call the shots in the wrestling company, I'm like, I have a football team. Why don't I just call the shots in my football team? You know, I can, I can book a football team better than he can book a wrestling show. Let's let's just see it this way. You know, that's that's probably why he has roster control, or maybe he just wants to be. Jerry Jones. We'll see. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. And uh, we're going to have a look at the playoffs uh, because they have now been set. We know who's going to be playing who. They're going to start this weekend with the wild card games. We'll give our predictions for those games later on in the show. But lads, I want us all to put our necks on the line here. Uh, and I want you to give me your prediction for the two teams that are going to battle it out in the AFC Championship and the two teams that are going to face off in the NFC Championship. And then I want you to tell me who wins those games and who's going on to the Super Bowl and who will be Super Bowl champions this time, I think, next month. I think, yeah, it's the 11th of February is the Super Bowl in Tampa. So uh, I'll go first. And we'll actually, we'll give our AFC games each. Then we'll go NFC games and then we'll go Super Bowl and obviously winner. So I'll go first with my AFC title game this uh, year is going to be... The Buffalo Bills taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Fionn, what do you think? Uh, it's very hard to see anything else. I think the only other team that I would make a case that has a shot is the Ravens, based on how hot they were in December coming in. They're looking like the Ravens of old. But I'm going to stick with you, and I'm going to say it's the Kansas City Chiefs against the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I think we all know the Chiefs have it, and they're going to be able to get there. They just... They're the Chiefs. Um, and then I might surprise you with this one. It's going to be the Titans for me. Um, they played extremely well. I'm not a big Tannehill fan, but they have an extremely strong offense and they're co- coached quite well on defense. I think they might give um, Lamar a bit of trouble. And I think if they can control the clock with De- Derrick Henry, it, it's going to be hard to, to beat them. That's, that's who I have for the. Well, they definitely gave him a lot of trouble last year, obviously knocking them out in the playoffs when everyone thought they were going to, the Ravens were going to just control the whole AFC title picture and go on to the Super Bowl. So it definitely, they definitely have their number and it could happen again. So we'll see. I, I didn't pick the Ravens because of what's going to happen in previous rounds, but I won't give that away because that'll be predictions and I won't, I won't give that away just yet. So the NFC title game, uh, Fiona, I'll let you go first on this one. I'm going to take the Seahawks. And they're going to come up against the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I'm with you there, feeling all the way. Um, Packers-Seahawks game. It has to be. It has to be. You know, I did not think I was going to be hearing that, that game from you still. 
I did not. I actually wrote this down earlier on, and I thought it was going to be a hot take, and you guys were going to curse me and say, no, you're just a, a home fan saying the Seahawks are going to make it to the NFC title. So, I was, so that's my, my game is the exact same. The Seahawks in Lambeau against the Packers for the NFC title. Um, again, for me, it's, it's just hard to – if I'm going on a game-by-game scenario, it's just hard not to – see Russell Wilson doing something enough for that team to win. Are they the best team? If you take it just on paper, definitely the think the argument is completely up in the air. But when it comes to can a guy make a play to win the game, Russell Wilson shows that he does it. And that's why I think in the real world, when you need your players, you don't have to be the best team on the day. You don't have to be the best team in the game. You just have to have the guy who makes the best play to win the game. Yeah, I'm with you there. Russell Wilson, the two quarterbacks that, of the Packers and the Seahawks are the two quarterbacks that would, you know they could be behind and they're just going to bring you back. That's just what they're going to do. That's It's the worst thing to play against them and it's even worse to be friends with people who are fans of them teams with the level of smugness that they have there. And I think... <laughs> Uh, I'm only smug when we win, which happens a lot. So yeah, <laughs> but no, just yeah. I see for myself going for the Seahawks. It was just looking at the sort of the transition that their defense has made throughout the whole year. Uh, they they're first in points allowed in the second half of the season. They're I think third in sacks. They're you know they they've um, they've really shored up that defense. The offense side now has sort of gone a little quiet. So that'll be uh, up to uh, Brian Schottenheimer, P. Carroll, and Russ to sort out. But I trust that they can. And, you know, when you have Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf there, and then you have Chris Carson in the backfield, I think they, they, they will figure it out eventually. And I think we'll see, especially this Saturday, for the first time in about, I think, five weeks, uh, he will have his starting offensive line, which performed really well in the first half of the year. But injuries has meant that has been chopping and changing on that line. So I think we'll see a, a different story uh, this weekend. So we have our uh, Super Bowl lineup, and I think we are all the. I think we're. All, are we all the same though? I'll, I'll go first. My Super Bowl is going to be the Chiefs against the Seahawks, and I'm going to cover this up while I say it. Chiefs against Seahawks. <laughs> Jake I'm going to go different with you there. I'm going to go Chiefs-Packers. Um, I think the Packers will top the Seahawks. Unfortunately for you and unfortunately for me, having to listen to people talk about that. Um, I just think the Packers are an extremely strong team and they're going to be really hard to stop. I'm going to go with the smart money and I'm going to say the Packers against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl this year. Okay. And then who's winning the Super Bowl? Uh, I'm going to go Chiefs. Packers. You're going Packers. Okay. I'm going to go Packers. I'm going to go Packers just because it's so hard to repeat. It's just so hard. And just there's something about the football gods. It's Aaron Rodgers' MVP. The last time he was MVP, I believe he won the Super Bowl as well, didn't he? So eh, things are just falling into place. Mahomes is great. He's probably going to win three or four over the next five or six. Uh, but I think this is one that he drops. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to go with the Chiefs there myself. I know I said I've Seahawks in the Super Bowl, but I still don't think they'd be able to stop uh, the amount of different weapons that uh, Mahomes has on that offense. So I think, yeah, uh, the Chiefs to retain this year. But look, we'll mark that. We'll come back to it when it comes to AFC and, and NFC title weekend. 
and see if we were right. Uh, but we are going to take a quick break. But before we do, just make sure you are following us on all of our social channels because uh, we've changed them up a little bit. So we are uh, at po- facebook.com forward slash undercenterpod, Twitter at undercenterpod, and Instagram at undercenterpod. So quite easy to remember. For some of our American listeners, make sure you spell center with an or E instead of an E-R because we're European. We know how to spell properly. So that's why <laughs> you do it that way. But like I said, we, uh, we are going to come back after the break uh, giving out our awards for the end of the season. And we'll, of course, give our predictions. So stay tuned. Best in the business when it comes to a quarterback sneak. Let's go! Let's go! Welcome back to the Under Center podcast with Dara, Fionn and Jake. And we will start the second half of the show with uh, our end of season awards. And we are going to be starting with the MVP of the season. So, Jake, I'll actually let you start on this one. I was stuck between two players and I'm sure a lot of us were. Um, I was stuck between Mahomes and Rodgers, but I think I'm going to have to give it to Rodgers. He has played out of his mind crazy good this season. That's who I'm giving it to. Yeah, I agree with Jake. I think there's even a little bit less of a debate. Mahomes is a fantastic player and had a really good season, but as Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers played out of his scheme, uh, has a good cast around him now that I think sometimes we don't give that cast enough credit. We're back in the day when Rodgers was doing it all himself. Now he has some really good skill players around him, but he has really taken advantage of them. Every game I've watched, the commentators have commented on how he can squat 400 pounds now and he's uh, thinking about running the ball more and adding this dynamic that dynamic playmaking ability outside the pocket which let's be honest he already has but they're saying that he's added even more to it this season so I think they're definitely the two front runners but I don't think he can give it to anyone other than Rodgers yep. this season yeah Rodgers as well 48 touchdowns 5 interceptions this year he has more touchdowns I saw this stat come out and I thought this is him this is MVP wrapped up he has more touchdowns this year than the Green Bay Packers have punts so like that's MVP that's it right there like Mahomes like you're saying has been fantastic but I think the kind of not the problem with Mahomes but like the issue with him not maybe being the the winner of the MVP this year we expect this from him now you know, you're so good, we expect this from you now. Rogers obviously is a fantastic player as well, but we obviously did not expect this at, was he 35, 36? Age 35, 36, something like that. For 40, 48 touchdowns, fantastic in, in a year where, especially this time last year, or even just when it was dra- when the draft happened, everyone was questioning, oh, Rogers won't even be at Green Bay when the season starts. So to go from that to MVP, fantastic year. As much as I hate saying about a Green Bay Packer. But we'll move on uh, to the Offensive Player of the Year. And I'm going to go for Derrick Henry. 2,000 yards this year. The man is unstoppable. I couldn't couldn't realistically go with anyone else. I thought about maybe Stefan Diggs, but no, it has to be Derrick Henry for me. Uh, Fionn, what do you think? Yeah, for me, I'm going to move away from Derrick Henry. Again, he had a super season. Uh, But I'm going to say if my MVP was between 
Rodgers and Mahomes, then I think my offensive player of the year has to then go to Mahomes. Uh, I think he did a little bit more damage than uh, Henry did on a, on a weekly basis. And certainly, while they're both keys for their offense, I think uh, Mahomes has shown more of a dynamic range. And I think on Henry's off nights, he was really off. And on Mahomes' off nights, he did enough to pull his team back uh, and win a couple of games that maybe when you were watching, they, may, they shouldn't have. And I think we have to give him credit for that as much as we maybe take stuff off when we're comparing him to Rodgers on those. He did have a few more off nights than we're used to. Most of those finished with Ws, and you have to give him then some credit back for that. So I'm going to give my offensive MVP to Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to give mine, uh, like Darren, I'm going to give it to Derek uh, Henry. I think just to beat the 2,000-yard rushing is incredible alone. And if you're thinking most valuable player, the Titans wouldn't be there without Derek Henry. And, I mean, I, I agree with you there as well. If you have Mahomes, he's, he's the same for his team. You aren't getting where the Chiefs are without Mahomes. But I think Derek Henry has just done too much for me to not give him that MVP award. Cool. Uh, let's move on to the defensive player of the year. Uh, Fiona, I'll let you go first on this one. I'm going to give it to the linebacker from the Steelers, TJ Watt. His brother has run it before. I think he's had a super year. He had a whole heap of sacks. So disruptive anytime you watch the Steelers play. Doesn't always show up in the numbers. Just making tackles, flying around. And he really seemed, based on the, the, the commentary and the interviews that Day did with the with the teams before games, he really seemed to be the figurehead of that defense. Uh, so I'm going to give it to TJ Watt this year. I'm going to give mine to my boy Aaron Donald. Man, that guy is unstoppable. He started off a little bit slow, you could say, but a slow is still top of the leaderboard for interior defensive linemen. So I think he was unstoppable for the Rams and he has to get my, my vote for that. Uh, I'm going away from the sort of defensive line and the linebackers. I'm going more for a DB for my defensive player of the year this year. And that's Xavier Howard uh, of the Miami Dolphins. Ten interceptions this year, more than anyone else. That side of the field he was on was locked down. He even made Mahomes look average at times this season as well. So that's that's going to be my defensive player of the year. We'll move on to rookie of the year. And uh, my rookie of the year, I think, um, I'm guessing maybe it's everybody's, and it's uh, Justin Herbert. Most TDs by any rookie um, uh, came straight in and looked like he had been playing for years. He's going to be their franchise quarterback for the next 10, 15 years. Uh, this, the Chargers have got their guy, Justin Herbert, my uh, rookie of the year. Jake, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you there all the way. Uh, he's just been incredible, uh, and for somebody to come in, Basically, on like uh, from an injured injured quarterback, I think he started a short week and he came in, and he lit it up. Sure, he had some downsides, like a little bit of um, slumps, but it's a, he's a rookie quarterback and he still broke the rookie TD record, so it has to be him. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you guys. Uh, very very difficult to look anywhere else for this. Uh, and what I really loved about him as well, he had a little bit of flash. It's not necessarily in his personality, but it's in his play style. He takes enough shots to be interesting to watch and he makes enough of them to make him a very dangerous quarterback and that's why I really like him and that's why he gets my offensive or rookie of the year award jumping the gun there a little bit a little bit a little bit we'll get you a chance to talk about your offensive rookie of the year now tell me who was it 
Uh, I'm going to pick another Justin, and that's Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver for the Vikings. I suspect you guys, if you haven't got him as well, you've ranked him pretty high. 14,000 yards, fourth among all wide receivers in the league. He added seven touchdowns as well. And his average per catch, 15.9 yards a catch. That's incredible. That's, he's a big playmaker for his first year out. Really, really good. Uh, he's my offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I've got him here too. He's definitely mine. I think he's become a big part of that Vikings offense. And it's just, he's going to be the guy there for a long time coming. Yeah. Uh, Justin Jefferson. Uh, I chose I chose him as my offensive rookie of the year because he had fourteen hundred yards, uh, not fourteen thousand yards. And so oh yeah, that would be very <laughs> impressive. Yeah, that would be incredible. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think they found their replacement for Stefan Diggs straight away as well. Um, maybe uh, I, this is maybe I think I'm hanging around with you too much, Fionn. But if they get maybe a better quarterback. They might be even better, but we'll see. Get Kirky out of the league. Get Kirky out of the league <laughs> as quick as possible. We'll move on to the defensive rookie of the year, and I think it's a no-brainer for everyone. It's Chase Young. Seven and a half sacks, four forced fumbles this year. Already named captain of the team. This guy is a leader. You know, uh, as part of that uh, scary defensive line of the, the Washington football team, but he is the man on the defensive line of the Washington football team fantastic uh, rookie year and I can't well I'm gonna I can't wait to watch him uh, for years to come as long as he's not facing the season for loads more games to come loads more games this season with- <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm guessing Fiona you agree yeah I do agree uh, for what you stated the sacks and his fumble recoveries and and the fumbles caused uh, he seems to be a great personality on the sideline, that really driven, excited guy who's just happy to play football and really encouraging everyone around him. And it's worth remembering as well, he came in with a lot of hype around him. Offenses were going to be very focused on him. Yes, that defensive line of the Washington football team is considered very good, but Montez Sweat has improved this season. He wasn't necessarily the same threat last season. Uh, so I think considering the amount of focus that that Chase Young got in those offensive line meeting rooms, I think he's proved to be exactly as advertised coming out of college. And that's why he gets my defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I don't think there's any question really about it. There you come off with the stats, seven and a half tackles, or sacks, um, 10 tackles for a loss, four forced fumbles. He's in a pro bowl. He's, I mean, he's a guy that you're going to be looking from the Monday to Tuesday on saying, we, how are we going to get rid of Chase Young? And the answer, you're just not going to get rid of Chase Young. He, he moves so fast for a man his size. It's scary. Yeah, and I just think the respect he has around the league, because I don't know if you... Do you ever watch those um, mic'd up YouTube videos that they put on the NFL every week? When Washington were playing the Steelers, Mike Tomlin talking to Chase Young saying, I would have loved a player like you, but I've got to lose 14, 15 games and I just can't do that. <laughs> so, you know, just how sought after and how well-respected he already is in the league. and He hasn't even completed a full season yet, which is great. Move on to a final category and that is Coach of the Year. Uh, Jake, I'm going to let you go first on this one. And I think we all have to agree on this one, Ron Rivera. Um, he's just what he's done for that football team has been incredible, and, and especially with everything that he has been going through, um, to be able to come out every week and coach that team and and get a playoff berth out of it, you have to give him props. It has to be Ron Rivera for that one. Yeah, I agree. The story is a great one, and the NFL loves these stories. 
uh, as does anyone. It's, it's inspiring. But if you take that out of it, the football is very good as well. This is his first time in. The amount of turmoil this team was in in the preseason was almost unprecedented. We lost a football team name, for God's sake. He's got to change the most of the front office. He had to come in and really change the mindset around the club. Uh, worth remembering as well, we didn't get off to a very good start and he made a very brave decision to drop Haskins, which now looks like an easy decision. But at the time, he was playing up and down and everyone around us was not taking advantage of the division. Ron Rivera saw that the division was there. He brought Smith back when a lot of people questioned it. Unfortunately, brought on by Allen's injury. So that was kind of his hand was forced a little bit. But brave decisions. And again, we haven't been in the playoffs since 2015. This is only the second time I've seen my team in the playoffs. So he's really, on the football side, achieved quite a lot this season, as well as on his personal side. Yeah, I think uh, Ron Rivera is a great call. Like you guys have mentioned so many great things about what he's had to overcome this year. Um, Not just that, having to play four different quarterbacks in the one season and still winning a division. Now, obviously, for all the all the disrespect we give the NFC East, you know, you still have to go out and win that division and that's what he's done, especially from the bad start, like you said. There's two other names I want to mention that I think deserve recognition for the work that they've done and that's uh, Kevin Stefanski at the Browns, you know, breaking the longest playoff duck um, in a tough division and a tough conference as well. He's done great work there and also Matt LaFleur over at the Packers. Two seasons in the league, 13 and 3 both seasons, 26 and 6 altogether overall for a first time head coach. He's done fantastic work, and I think they're definitely two candidates that you could um, make a reasonable argument for uh, coach of the year. But I think definitely it would be Ron Rivera. And if Washington are looking for a new name, the Washington Riveras aren't the worst sounding team in the, in the league, you know? Or so. Or we could go for the Washington Squamous Cells, which is a very good name. I like uh, not so good if you have it. That's the, the cancer that Ron Rivera had, if anyone's interested. But uh, quite a nice word to say. Yeah. Uh, well, anything's better than being called the Browns. So I guess this we'll, is use, we'll use anything. But uh, we'll move on. And we'll move on to the final part of today's show, and that is going to be our predictions. So last week, all three of us actually ended up with a 12-4 and record, which I have to say is pretty impressive. Uh, so well done, it's all you guys. Take your right hand, put it up your left shoulder, give yourself a pat on the back if you want. Um, as, you, as you can see on the bottom of the screen right now is the scores as they stand. So Fionn has a slight advantage, but and there's not much time left to uh, catch him if you want to stop him from getting his is uh, Washington Rivera's jersey for next season. Um, we're going to start with Saturday's games, and we're going to start with the early kickoff on Saturday, and that is the Indianapolis Colts traveling to take on the Buffalo Bills. And since, Fionn, you are the league leader at the moment, I'm going to let you make your pick first. I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills here. Excellent football team. The Colts have played pretty well this season, as is marked by their appearance in the playoffs. However, there are some flaws that have been seen constantly throughout the season. Uh, The running game isn't always hot. Rivers isn't always hot. uh, And the Buffalo Bills tend to be hot most of the time. So I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills in this one. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. Uh, I have to take the Bills. I like Josh Allen a lot more than I like Philip Rivers. And I I feel like that that team's stronger as a whole. And I I think they've got a a greater chance of getting it. 
I've said all season, I can't trust Philip Rivers. And in this game, I'm definitely not going to trust him against that Bills defense. I do think that the Colts defense are going to keep them in this game longer than probably they should. But I still think uh, they are going to, the Bills are going to win this game and, and move on to the divisional round next week. The uh, LA Rams are facing the NFC West rival Seahawks in uh, the wild card game. Uh, Fionn, or no, Fionn went last, first last time. Jake, I'll let you go first on this one. Um, sorry, you cut out there calling the team. Who did you say? The Rams at the Seahawks. Yeah, okay, sorry. I'm going to take the Seahawks on this one. Um, I, I don't know. Um, Jared Goff's status about his uh, thumb surgery and I, I can't imagine it's easy to come back from surgery probably 13, 14 days after and play a playoff game. So I think the Seahawks have Russell Wilson and, and a lot stronger offense. Yeah, I agree with you, Jake. Not ideal scenarios if you're an LA fan uh, with your quarterback coming back from an injury like that. Uh, I'm going to take the Seahawks. Again, like we mentioned, every time you come up with these scenarios in your head, it's really difficult to pick against Wilson. And, and you're essentially saying that I don't think he will do something that's going to win this game. That's very hard to say. So I'm going to take the Seahawks in this one. Yeah, I'm taking the Seahawks as well. And I've seen, there's a weird narrative now going on since the weekend. Obviously, um, well, we'll call him the Wolf, who seems to be the new quarterback at the Rams, has been getting a lot of praise for a decent game he played against the Cardinals on Sunday. We'll give him that. But now everyone's saying that he should start over Jared Goff if he's fit, which I'm starting to think if everyone in the media is starting to say this, maybe they know something in terms of Goff's um, eligibility about this game than um, we're letting on at the moment. So uh, I think one thing to look out for as well in this game is Jamal Adams hurt his shoulder uh, at the end of the 49ers game last week. So there's still question marks whether he'll play or not. Pete Carroll is a bit a bit undecided, or has been a little coy in what he's uh, what he's given out about injury information. So we'll have to see. I think the first injury report is up now on Wednesday, so we'll see what is going on there in terms of who's going to be doubtful or who's going to be able to play in that game. The late game on Saturday is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to Washington to take on uh, the football team, and I'm going to go first on this one and. This is actually the toughest game to pick throughout the whole wildcard weekend. You know, I, I try weigh up both teams. You know, that Washington defense is so scary. And just thinking of them going after Tom Brady and him trying to run out of the pocket. On the other end, you know, I think the uh, Bucks are one of the most blitzing sides in the NFL at the moment. If you're blitzing on Alex Smith, making him to pass early, he has a tendency to be a little wayward with his passing. So, don't know about this game. I, I eventually have decided to go with the Bucks. It could have been a coin flip to anyone. It was the last team I picked. I didn't know. So I'm going to go with the Bucks and for them to win this game. But uh, Fionn, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. Not just obviously my home team here, but I agree with you. I think this is the closest rivalry. Tom Brady has shown this year he can struggle against good defenses. And really it has been proven that the Washington football team really does have a strong defense, even beyond that defensive line that everyone knew about. The, the backfield and the passing yards against the passing game, we've been really strong this year. Uh, however, on the flip side, Tampa Bay has a pretty strong defense, as you mentioned, likes to blitz, and our offense has been very limp. Uh, however, there is enough there that 
Alex Smith and there is talk maybe of some rotations going on at quarterback. That might keep them unbalanced a little bit. Heineke impressed me. He was slinging it. He has some arm speed, some arm talent. Uh, and of course, Smith is a great game manager. And yes, he can blitz them, but one of his favorite throws is the check down. He knows where they all are at all times. Uh, so if he can get a good balance, that's a possibility for Washington winning the game. Tom Brady, of course, while he struggles against bad, against good defenses, he also plays really well against good defenses. He's Tom Brady. Uh, so that's where the Buccaneers have the best hope. I'm going to go for my home team. I'm going to take the Washington football team to win this. Yeah, um, I think your rose-tinted glasses on this one here. Um, you, do, you have mentioned that Tom Brady does play both bad and well against good defences and the football team being one of those excellent defences. Um, but I still think Tom Brady got a lot of good offensive weapons there. Uh, good defence that likes to pressure and then especially if they do end up putting Heineke in, it's going to be a lot of pressure, mixing up looks and stuff like that and it's going to give Heineke a little bit of trouble. If it's Smith, maybe not as much trouble but still a lot of pressure I think and I don't think they have as much as the, the books do. Um, but having said that, the football team can rush for and get to the quarterback anyway, and that's going to give Tom Brady a lot of trouble. But I'm I'm still going to pick the books on it. Okay, we'll move on to Sunday's games then. And the first game on Sunday is the Baltimore Ravens traveling to Tennessee to take on the Titans. Uh, Jake, I'll let you go first on this one. Yeah, I've got the the Titans winning this game. I said it earlier on today. I think uh, they're going to give Lamar a lot of trouble. And um, if they can get up a little bit early and then they can have their run run and still get the first downs even when you know it's a run, he'd probably even get a home run touchdown like he does tend to do every two or three weeks. Um, they're going to control the clock and they're going to run out. And then uh, Lamar, as we know, it's hard for him to play from behind. So I, I'm going to take the Titans for this. Yeah, this is a great matchup. Two fantastic teams. The Ravens have heated up a lot. Uh, in the past five games. I think they are undefeated in the last five games or undefeated in December anyway. Lamar Jackson is playing really, really well. Derek Henry had the season that we all know. That's where the Titans' strength is. Tannehill complements that extremely well on the play action and his accuracy deep down the field. Uh, for me, I think I'm going to go for the Ravens on this one, just on their, their heat coming into the game. The Ravens' defense has played pretty well as well, and I think their their one-stopping has been pretty okay. Difficult to tell based on the last game. They essentially got a bye, which is another reason I'm picking the Ravens. They got a bye week against the Bengals. In the last game, that was a terrible match. The Bengals put up almost no resistance on both sides of the ball, uh, and Lamar Jackson got a little bit of a rest and got, a kind of a, got to warm up the arm and then put it back on ice for, for this game. So I'm going to take the Ravens in this one. Yeah, I am actually going to take the Ravens as well. Uh, I think that they are getting hot just at the right time this year. Uh, they're running the ball much, much better than they were at the start of the season. Um, I think that the Titans have a serious issue with rushing the passer, and they can't. Um, so I think that's going to be a big issue for in this game for them. Their backfield hasn't been too great either. So we'll have to see what happens there. Obviously, their offense is always going to be a, a danger against any team. Even, even this Ravens side, who obviously started playing well and 
Um, Marcus Peters came back from injury last week and played well, got himself an interception. So we'll see what happens there. But I think, yeah, the Ravens are going to sort of be a little too much this time for the Titans, and I think they, they'll win this one. The next game is the Chicago Bears uh, traveling to New Orleans to take on the Saints. And I think this is a pretty easy pick. Uh, it's going to be New Orleans Saints. I can't see the Bears getting past this round, even if there's a chance that Alvin Kamara might not be back in time. But even if he isn't, I'd still fancy the Saints to win this game. Uh, this uh, Saints uh, defensive line is not getting the plaudits I think it deserves. Um, I think uh, Henriksen has fan- had a fantastic year. He seems to. Um, get to the quarterback every single time he has this like old style approach where he doesn't wear any of these gloves around like that wears a long sleeve t-shirt that's about it and that's i kind of like that so um i think that mitch trubisky is going to sort of be shown for the i don't want to say flop but for the limitations that he has um i know he's had a good couple of weeks but i think he'll be showing up for his limitations in this game so saints win Fionn, what do you think I agree. Uh, there's a famous phrase that goes, if my grandmother had wheels, she'd be a bicycle. If the Bears had a good quarterback, they'd be a great team, but they don't. They have Trubisky. He played okay last game, but through, again, what kills him is overthrows that lead to interceptions. He seems to, if he misses, he seems to miss straight into the hands of the defense. Uh, I am not so sure about the Saints this year, and I don't know if that's a hangover from Breeze's initial troubles in that, especially that first game of the season. He was really, really poor, uh, and I haven't seen them much since, but something about me tells them they're a little bit shaky. So I think if, if the Bears were a little bit stronger, I'd have serious concerns for the Saints. I think they have enough in this game to overcome the Bears. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement. I think the Saints are going to win. Um, nobody has faith in Mr. Trubisky. He has some glaring issues. And I think the only thing he really does give you is um, the odd run. He's he's an athletic quarterback, um, but I still don't think he can take on the Saints and win. Um, you, you mentioned Alvin Kamara might come back, might not come back. I'm not too sure. But from what we've seen throughout the year, when they come back from having was he positive for coronavirus yeah yeah so when when they tend to come back they tend to be like uh, running out of gas a lot quicker than they do we've seen with miles garrett and stuff when he came back so maybe that affects them but i, I still think the saints are a much stronger team and, and breeze it's probably his last year it's what it's looking like so maybe he wants to see how far he can get and push it so maybe he pushes it a little further this time and i think the saints take it out Okay, the last game of the wildcard weekend is the Cleveland Browns, who are currently being decimated by uh, COVID issues. Uh, their coach, Kevin Stefanski, was the latest one to uh, be uh, tested positive. So we'll see what happens there going on for the rest of the week. Um, Travelling to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. Now, like I says, there's a COVID met ha- issue happening with the team at the moment. All indications are that the game is going to go ahead, but there is a chance that possibly it may get postponed and happen on a Monday or a Tuesday. We'll see what happens. But anyway, if the game goes ahead, I'm going with the Steelers win. They just played last week. The Steelers had a lot of players sit out this game to rest, and they still kept it close. Mason Rudolph kept this game close. Ben Roethlisberger will win this game for the Steelers. We forgot earlier on in the season that the Steelers playing – the Browns in uh, Pittsburgh demolished the Browns. And I think they'll do the same thing here. I think their strengths um, are, go, are uh, you know, 
the defense and stopping the run. That's the best thing about uh, the Browns. Now, uh, Baker has played well the last couple of weeks throwing the football. You still got like players like Joe Hayden. You still got Mika Fitzpatrick there as well. And I think they're just hoping he will throw the ball so they can pick him off maybe one or two times during this game. But Steelers win either way. Uh, Jake, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you all the way. I'd be with you if the Browns hadn't got this um, this corona going through them at the minute. I'd, I'd be still with you. But I believe their left guard, Joel Batonio, is one of the, the positive players. And that's going to have a huge effect. Um, that interior line for the for the Steelers is is pretty strong. So having a backup tackle or a guard go in and fight against one of these guys, it's it's going to be rough. It's going to lead to a lot of pressure on Baker Mayfield. What's Baker Mayfield do when he gets pressure? You throw an interception. You throw a ball up and somebody will pick it off, especially when you have Minka roaming around that back. He, he's going to pick a ball off. And on the other side of the ball for the Browns, we learned this week that Unfortunately, Olivier Vernon had tore his Achilles, and that's going to be a big hit. That's going to make it harder for Miles to get to Ben Roethlisberger. Might make it even impossible, but we'll see how that goes. But it's gonna—it's a big hit for that that Browns defense. Yeah, Dara, I'm going to take the Steelers as well and make this a sweep. The same thing occurred to me as occurred to you that the Steelers managed to keep this game close last week with only their second string or at least their second string quarterback. That doesn't bode well. For the, for the Browns. Jake, as you said, I wouldn't have much extra faith in them, even if they didn't have this uh, COVID situation ongoing. Just the run game, it's a little bit too simple. Don't get me wrong, they're fantastic rushers that they have. They play the game very well, but as you mentioned, Dara, they're coming up against strength. It is my defensive player of the year in TJ Watt, and they're very good at stopping the run. So, I think the Steelers will have enough to beat the Browns and go through to the next round of the playoffs. Perfect. And that is all our predictions. And that is our show for this week too. Guys, thank you so much for coming on as always. Uh, we will be back again next week. Uh, we'll probably review uh, the playoff games that have happened, give our predictions for the next week's games as well. Make sure you are following us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash podcast or pod, I should say, not podcast. Twitter at UndercenterPod, Instagram at UndercenterPod. And again, for American listeners, in case or E instead of E or in center, that's how you'll find us. Make sure that you are subscribed to the YouTube page as well. Uh, that is Dynamo's Podcast Network. And make sure you are subscribed to the Dynamo's Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts, because that's where we, of course, are exclusively putting our podcasts up from now on as well. So uh, oh, until next week, have a great week and enjoy all the action uh, at the weekend.